0: The PM Growth Experts podcast show is hosted by Darren Hunter and Dennis Youssef from Inspired Growth Training, who work with PM Growth Experts from around the globe. If you're signing up 20 to 30 managements a month, that's great. If not, speak with us. Hi, everyone. Darren Hunter here with Dennis Youssef. Today, we have... Uh, guest BDM, Nick Giles, all the way from Southwest Sydney. How are you going, Nick? Good, mate. Good, good. good. And uh, Dennis, you are, where are you today? Um, I'm actually at McDonald's
1: in um, in Brisbane. Uh, it's about a five-minute drive from home. I don't know what this suburb is, but i um, <laughs> sitting in McDonald's and I'm um,
0: having a McDonald's triple shot mocha. Well, thank you for that. So people that are listening, this is actually a video podcast. You can actually watch that on Inspire Growth Training. Go to the Knowledge Library. Go to uh, our video podcast from there. But, of course, we we have the audio versions available on iTunes and Podbean if you are on Android. And uh, so... Yeah, just uh, I think, Dennis, you've had some uh, technical problems moving to your new location in Brisbane, hence you have to go and find some Wi-Fi spot somewhere, but there's always technical problems. But look, just moving on. I'm coming um, off the phone, where that's what the internet's working off the phone at the moment. You know, I just want to pose a question to all of our audience here. If I suddenly said to you, hey, just get rid of your property management software and use a spreadsheet instead everyone's going to think I'm absolutely nuts because of course going back to a spreadsheet to manage our, our accounting and everything that happens in property management Uh, You know, it's 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 obviously old school. It becomes very inefficient, very clunky. Everything's going to take a lot more time. And I use that as a good analogy. Of course, I don't want people to stop using their property management software like property tree and so forth. You've got to be doing that. My analogy is if you're doing repairs and maintenance without using maintenance manager, then you are doing your repairs and maintenance old school. You are inefficient. Things are taking you so much more time to do it. And uh, so what you need to do is you need to go to propertysafe.com.au, get in touch with uh, the the, the guys (laughs) at uh, Maintenance Manager, have a chat to them, get a demo done. Let's get efficient with our repairs and maintenance. Um, And uh, certainly a really good product. Um, We're talking, there are some property management companies we're aware of, Dennis, that say, they've reduced the time it takes to do repairs and maintenance up to 50%.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And some people are even now um, being able to have a leasing agent because they're taking tasks away from their property management department and time so they can focus on um, you know, better systems within the office. I mean, obviously, maintenance manager itself creates good systems and it, it, it speeds up the process for anyone to do work, but it's freeing them up to work, focus on um, better things within their office, which increases, you know, productivity even more. So I think it's a, a
0: great system. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dennis, over to you. Yeah, thanks, mate.
1: And Nick, mate, thank you so much for coming on board. I mean, we met,
2: Pleasure
1: I don't know how many years ago. I, I was an agent, obviously, when you and I had met the first time at a um, um, LPMA conference many years ago. Yeah. Uh, one of those things that Darren, Mr. Hunter himself, was possibly even speaking at. You know?
2: Probably
1: was, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, uh, we have both obviously learned a lot from him. So, Nick, I mean, I know Darren's story. I know my own story. Him and I, we never had aspirations to be real estate agents. Yeah. Uh, but why did you join real estate? What was it? Like, how did you get yeah. into the
0: game?
2: Um, I was 18. I left school. Uh, my old man ran a suburban real estate office in my area for about 30 years. And uh, people say, oh, well, you step in your old man's line of work. If anything, I probably rebelled against it. <laughs> so, okay. I think I went the other way. I didn't want to do it. I think I had an idea in my head about what real estate was. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't sort of want to associate myself with it, really. Uh, but I sort of worked for six or eight months doing different things. Um, turned 19, and Dad rang me one day and said, look, mate, I think you'd be good at this. <laughs> Just come and have a go. <laughs> um, And uh, so uh, that was pretty much exactly how it happened, uh, really. So, um, and I think it's grown on me ever since the last 15
1: years, frankly. Um, Well, mate, with what you've done in real estate, it certainly has grown on you. And and it looks like your dad was right. (laughs) I I mean, I I tried avoiding the family business as well in fruit and veggies. And, (laughs) um, you know, did the Amway Kirby and door-to-door sales and hospitality. Ended up falling into fruit and veggies So you know, well,
2: we went to the same high school, Dennis. Uh, another interesting fact. Ah, yeah, a few you years did. apart.
1: <laughs> she, you went to Chevalier, did you? I went
2: to Chev, mate. Yeah.
1: Ah, yeah. there you go. Hopefully, you didn't hear any um, news <laughs> about me. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't Dennis, no, you're not trying to say that you misbehaved at <laughs> high school, <laughs> right? we, need to, we need to cut this recording <laughs> right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just think it's bizarre that a couple of BDMs came from the same spot of all things. This nice industry. Mate.
1: Maybe that's the, um, the secret. If you want to get some good VEMs, send them to um, Chevalier College.
0: Yeah,
1: and There you go. So um, it's interesting. And, and a, a friend of mine's got an agency um, in the MacArthur region where you're from. Yeah. You know? So uh, Lincoln McLaren, he's got... Um, oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. my
2: McLaren. Him,
1: yeah. him and I were best buddies at school. So um, oh, there, you there you go. go. Mm, okay, I've got to ask, how old are you, mate? Like, I'm 34.
2: Is... We're we got a bit of a gap down. Sorry about it, mate. Yeah, mate,
1: you're 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 um 10 years in front of me. Well, so, after you. You know. <laughs> Excellent. So um, tell us a little bit about your. I've got to I've got to digress the subject now. <laughs> <laughs> That's another recording altogether. That one, Darren. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about your your office, your market, your area, and yep. stuff. Yeah, new...
2: look, uh, the Macarthur region is lots of lots of fun to do real estate. Actually, um, our area is uh, a top five, particularly for American viewers as well. I guess it's it's a it's a top five growth region for the country. You know, in Australia at the moment. Well, so yeah. it's where most of uh, government spending is going. Large scale infrastructure. We're getting the decades discussed second airport in sydney uh, about 15 minutes up the road from us so it's uh, it's really been an exciting place to speak to investors about because there's so much to discuss yeah. so that's been really good it's also an affordable part of sydney so if you're a first home buyer you're more likely to end up in southwest sydney or the outer northwest of sydney than you will where the coast is on the eastern side because that's where the money is um, you know, on the on the water views and things like that. So it's it's a lot of fun. You're dealing with a lot of inexperienced people as well as a lot of seasoned investors from thirty years ago as well. It's a great mix, a very big, big cultural mix too.
1: Yeah, which is, um, I mean, look, certainly, um, you know, I drove there through there five years ago when I first started consulting, and you know, every three four months you go back, there's a big change. There's, yeah, there's another hundred houses as yeah. a like, new you know, suburbs
2: popping out of the ground. I took yeah. a wrong
1: turn and yeah. all of a sudden I was in a, um, an estate. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's quite it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, um, you know, I've trained a couple of offices in the area there and then the number of new builds, is yes. just, um, it's just hard to comprehend really. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's yep. possibly one of the fastest growing areas as well, would it be, Nick?
2: Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, the idea is that uh, you'll have something the size of Canberra out the southwest of sydney uh in the next 20 years you know so it's kind of it's huge scale stuff yeah Um, yeah. hard to get your head around actually it's massive that's um you know and and the government spending and particularly the airport given that in sydney it's been discussed for geez four or five decades you know and then it's finally been signed off on it's coming in the early 2020s and that's a you know a big deal
1: Yeah, so for anyone um, obviously outside of Australia, Sydney has only got one major airport, and um, this is big news having a second airport. That's, um, I mean, the discussions, I don't know, you could probably tell us, Nick, um, that uh, are they talking about it being all domestic? Um, or is it going to be domestic and international? Because I know um, there was talks for a while they're going to try and take the domestic away from. Yeah, system.
2: I think there's a bit of discussion of it's. It's not completely finalised yet. One of the things I've been warning investors about is that when you get a huge piece of infrastructure like this, people rely very heavily on it when they buy. And one thing you should never do as an investor is put all your eggs in one basket. You should be buying for several reasons. So um, it's important to understand that the government gets infrastructure wrong when they execute it all the time. So where roads are intended to be now might not be quite where they end up, you know, and all sorts of things happen. So um, there is a bit up for debate. Um, as well as the curfew, uh, which is uh, Sydney's sort of famous for having a mascot for a long time. You know, where you can't sort of fly between 12 and 6. There's talk about it making sure it's a 24-hour airport and things like that. So there's yep. a, bit of, yep. a bit, few, bit of uncertainty yet because they are a few years away, but they have stuck the shovels in the
1: ground. So things Yeah, are which is awesome. Um, I mean, people possibly big. don't realise that Sydney to Melbourne used to be the busiest um, yeah. uh, route in the world. Yeah. Um, but ever since that curfew came into place a few years ago, that obviously changed. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, Nick, tell us uh, about your growth. So how many doors or how many numbers have you listed just in the, you know in your last 12 months?
2: Uh, well, look, you know, I was sort of looking at the last few years, um, the last sort of five to six years, I've yep. signed yep. just under, just under 1,000 properties, about nine hundred and seventy nine hundred and eighty 80, I think
1: it was. Massive work. Um,
2: Around that sort of arena. Um, I think I tried to always be averaging somewhere sort of 16 to 18 a month. That sort of an area seemed to be an okay kind of area to be in, I suppose. Uh, I had one month at 39, which was which I can't even think of how I got that many <laughs> at that time. And then another uh, month at 27, I think. So I was in the 20s quite a lot. But yeah, I think yeah. 16 to 18 seemed to be a, where it settled for the most part. So, yeah. um, Which means I probably should have been looking for five or ten percent more really. You shouldn't really settle any number, I suppose, but it's um, where it seemed went up, I guess.
1: Yeah, and were you a pure BDM? Was that your were you were um, you doing other tasks yeah. as well? So you I were know, also overseeing that apartment or I
2: for a while, yeah. For for a few years I was just a BDM, a solo artist, um, for a while and I, I was lucky in that I started worry about my stuff. <laughs> I could yeah. go and sign them and we had a, a, a procedure in place. Then it looked after um, uh, the business development and leasing areas of the business for a while. So we had uh, four or five staff kind of in that little group for a while. Yeah. Um, so we split off leasing, which was kind of a long-term intent for us to do. Um, then we uh, we sort of mucked around with that structure a little bit, learned how it worked. Because <laughs> when I became a BDM, we didn't really have any structure for it at all. We just kind of invented it. And trial and error as we went for the first yeah. couple of years, really, and we we
1: never really. Well, stopped, well there's right? never been there's never yeah. been a template anywhere. I mean, I think you yeah. and I became BDMs around that similar time, and there was there yeah. was nothing to look to. No, but not at we, all. We had no idea, and everyone didn't we know what everyone was, thought, yeah, we always yeah. asking each other, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Yeah, you doing? didn't, like, didn't know, like, you know what was good
2: or bad either. Like no. that was the annoying thing: is you don't know yeah. whether you're going well or you're not because there's there's no really. You know, looking back yeah. now, it's like holy crap, we're going pretty well. But but you don't really know that at the time. You're just doing the thing in front of you. you That's know? right. So, and yeah. then
1: you change things accordingly. Obviously, yeah. your numbers would have been affected when you were doing leasing, and then they would have picked up when you you took that leasing away, and you could focus more on the prospect. Yeah, the it's it's I, a know? big sort
2: of. I mean, one thing I, I I think there's a few things to learn. I'm sure we'll discuss them later. But I think the um you you, you learn over time, that the more focused you are on a single task or two or three tasks, the better you are and more effective you are, generally speaking. Um, And that's the way I've tried to approach it for a while, you know, from that point of view.
1: Excellent, which is a good question. I just had one of those little Santa clauses drop down (laughs) on my laptop in front of me. It's like, um, okay, well, this alludes to the next question. It's a good segue in because we're talking about, um, you know, the changes as um, you know, the BDM position evolved, and for any of those United States listeners out there, you know this is you know where Australia was um, you know uh, 12 years ago. You're just coming into this now, so this is a um, perfect opportunity listening to these podcasts, listening to what I went through, what Nick went through, and many other people on this in how we learn and the structures that we put in place. But, Nick, if yeah. you were to meet yourself on the first day back in real estate, I know you had your dad there talking to
0: the <laughs> yeah, sure. right?
1: But, you know, you're walking into the door and, um, you know, the person behind the counter at the front desk is you. It's you telling yourself, yeah. what advice would you give yourself as you walked into that office?
2: Well, my old man would say I wouldn't listen anyway at that age, particularly. <laughs> so, that, and that's 100% true. So, I think I was 19, so I wouldn't have listened for a start. But what I would have said is that, uh, the business is about helping people. When you wake up in the morning, you go to work to help people. That's what you're doing, um, and I think that's that's a huge industry-wide edict, frankly, as far as I'm concerned. Um, if we we've got to stop thinking about ourselves as deal makers as, as this kind of stuff, we, we're simply going to work to use the knowledge we have to help as many people as we can. That um, we'll through walk through the front door regardless of who they are. Um, yeah. That's probably the first thing, and you only do that with empathy and, and generosity. Um, so I'd be pushing those two things in a big way. Um, 19 year old me would uh, ignore me for the most part. Um, and, uh, and I'd say, listen really hard. Don't stop listening. Listen to your old man, listen to the people around you. Most of all, listen to the clients, listen to what they say to you. Um, listening is what will make you successful. <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> listen is. hard. That's what you'll do it. Um, and, uh, and do what dad told you to do when you were 19, which is um, do what you say you'll do and you'll always be okay, um, you know. That's awesome, that's, that's
1: awesome points there. I mean, I love the fact that, you know, that you, your first thing, <clears throat> points that you, you pointed out was about um, helping people. I mean, um, you know, I don't know how many times it was for you that most of the people that I was dealing with um, for the first part of me being a BDM were those reluctant landlords. Property yeah. wouldn't sell, they're moving out, um, yeah. death, divorce, loss of job. and Default you know, landlords, we call them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, default landlords as well. That's another way of saying it. And and you know what? They're not educated. They don't understand the processes of it. So you've really got to dig deep and you've really got to ensure that you are helping them yeah. um, and understanding, You know, meeting whatever their concerns are. They're not like your standard um, uh, investor that just cares about a percentage return or a yield return that they're going to yeah. get on their, their property. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, there's no emotional attachment, but there is with regards to it. And and if you are that agent that's got that empathy and that can help them and meet their concern, you're going to win a lot more business than just yeah. looking at a figure, another door to get under the under the hood. Yeah, so.
2: yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I, I, there couldn't be more true. I, I think I came from coming into a business development from a, a role of a, a doing a lot of commercial real estate, which okay. is very numbers driven. Yeah. Um, and also the level of education is much higher. So uh, dropping back to a to what we'd probably call a mum and dad level, I suppose is what you would call it, um, it was, was actually difficult for me to do, given my strengths in preparation and understanding those mechanics. Um, but really, uh, that knowledge is trumped every single day by people who empathise really well and yeah. uh, who listen really hard and who just commit to helping the person sitting in front of them. That They will always win, <laughs> and they should. You
1: know, that's, that's what should happen all the time. Yeah, spot on. That's really good. I mean, um, uh, with that knowledge, like what you've just shared there in, in helping, I, I mean, I genuinely felt like that I was actually helping the person in, in um, looking after their property. If they didn't choose us, I felt they were making a mistake. I genuinely think like you just wanted to grab them and say no, yeah, don't, absolutely, don't go with yeah. the other agent. You should be me. You should be with, yeah. you should be with yeah. us. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're crazy. Yeah. You don't know what's well, going to happen.
2: You fear, you fear the bad <laughs> advice. I think that's, yeah. You're, you're, yeah, you're really critically fearful about this. If you wander over there, I don't know what the hell you get told, but it won't be right. <laughs> no, they're lying. That's the problem. <laughs> um, so it's a really, you know, it is yeah. a, an earning trust in our industry is always a, a huge challenge because every single person will be angled against us, you know, yeah. when we sit in front of them because of the nature yeah. of our industry um but that's our that's our problem to solve that's our problem you know, it is not theirs, you
1: know? it is again it's us it's not them mm, uh, that absolutely. we just obviously you know the one of the key reasons why bdm doesn't actually get the listing is they haven't sold their services that there's yeah. something they haven't said they have something they haven't done yep. you know yeah. uh, you yeah. can always i mean i used to say it i used to uh, say oh they just were fee hunting but that's because i wasn't good enough at Absolutely. Uh, educating them. Like yeah. I'm mean, I'm sure you've said that too.
2: Hundred yep. you know? percent. I think when you when you yeah. drive away, if you don't get it or if you lose one and, and uh you know you like to think you don't lose many, but the best in our game always lose them. So yep. it's gonna happen all the time. Yep. But yeah. um yep. I think really uh I try and remind myself of the good things that I did because uh, when you remind yourself of the good things you tend to repeat them. So yeah. I don't want to remind myself of bad habits, I want to remind myself of good habits. Yeah. where well um, they responded well, you know. Um, mm. But I I never want to let myself think that this person just left for some kind of crappy fee reason or whatever. Because yeah. I, I very much agree with you, Dennis. Um, selling is about executing a process really effectively. Um, mm. And if you're 1% wrong or 2% wrong, that might have be been where you lost it. You know, yeah. So it, it's yeah. it's not uh, – we know statistically for 30, 40, 50 years, 100 years probably, that only about one in every 20 people will only look at fee and nothing else. 19 yeah. out of 20 will look at everything else.
1: You know? I, I agree. So, If you're providing a service above and beyond your rival agencies, fees don't even come into it.
2: No, and not when you're communicating well and you're listening hard, I think, really. Yeah,
1: well said. So, in that, you know, if you were to start a real estate agency from scratch today, you know, forget about, um, you know, 30 years ago when you first joined real estate when you were 19. um, But... um, good (laughs) math good math so um you know what what, how what would be your three key strategies in in growing the rent roll that would bring in let's say 80 percent of your business i mean you're always going to get your walk-ins if they see a sign or this that and the other but um you know if we're looking at around 80 percent of that business where do you think three keys would be that you'd focus on Um, starting from
2: scratch i think starting from scratch is a good point to make because your strategies are different when you're in a large agency um, that they are different. So from scratch, though, I think first of all, what you've got to do is identify the weakness in your market. So wherever you are, look at what's not happening very well and attack it hard. Yep. So if properties are vacant everywhere. I know in Perth for a long time they had vacancy problems. They have less so now. But where they where you run into big vacancy issues, be the person that solves that problem better than anyone else. Um, that's, um, that's the first thing I, I would do. It might be leasing, it might be maybe tenant defaults a big problem over there, I don't know, re or something like that. But if you can identify a big weakness, go really hard at it and form a strategy around that weakness because mm. selling a product is all about solving a problem and you can't mm. sell a product when there's no problem to solve. So look yep. for the problems um, would be the biggest thing. So the
1: biggest concern in that marketplace, jump on it.
2: Jump on it and be, yep. be the best at it. That's out yep. there. Um, the second thing I'd probably do is I'd, I'd develop some cash guarantees because part of, part of the difficulty of getting past the trust issue in real estate is that whenever you sell anything to somebody, they think that this guy's doing it because there's something in it for him. Uh, what you've got to do is bring things into play that say, well, if I lose, you know, if you lose, I lose. So we, we're in this together. We're a te- this is a team sport. This is a partnership. If I, and I'm very, very confident in the advice I'm giving you. Um, so if I'm wrong we're prepared to pay you for it because I'm the expert so I should be the one
1: taking that risk yeah. not you. So having a um, strong promotion that, that, that backs you up.
2: Yeah so yeah. it might be something really simple it might relate to returning phone calls it might relate to leasing it might relate to tenancy there could yeah. be all sorts of things you could do but I think yeah. putting your money where your mouth is is a great way of making people stop and say "Well, if he's willing to do this and that's a big deal and if you and if you have to pay great promote it. <laughs> yep. Uh, but if, if we do to a crap
1: people. job we'll pay you to yeah, manage your property yeah,
2: and all that sort of other stuff you know? so there's yeah. different ways I think doing that is good it's called risk risk reversal marketing I'm a big fan of that stuff yep. um, and uh, I think the third thing I would do is I would thank people profusely um, so everyone I spoke to everyone I, I had anything to do with I'd be sending them cards I'd be sending them presents <laughs> I'd be I'd be congratulating them on their kids schooling I'd be sending the, their dogs I actually have a list sequence I can swear on the back of sending a bag of Schmacko dog treats to a to a person after I met them. The next day, I put dog, like dog treats. And they had a dog, a husky. They loved, and I put a, a bag of Schmackos in with a with a, a bag with a thank you card and stuff their front door the next day. I could swear they got me the list. Nice. Dennis, we're gonna have to get
1: some Schmackos. You know,
0: with <laughs> yeah. hey, IGT branding on them. Don't worry about your no, beanie. Yeah. We're gonna have to go for Schmackos.
1: Forget People the beanie. Like forget shirt, the shirts.
0: We're gonna go <laughs> <for> dog, <laughs> treat. dog treats.
1: To get the pins. We're getting dog treats. Oh, the pins are awesome, by the way. <laughs> uh, the, um,
2: so I think that's probably the big thing, and I think in conjunction with those three things, I'd concentrate on being a social media educator. So yeah. I'd uh, I'd make sure I was getting on social media, not looking to sell a single thing at all, just looking to impart as much knowledge as I could. Um, and I think that's that's a huge thing as well. I'd be I'd be working very hard at making myself the authority in the area. So. Uh, and that can be done lots of different ways, but socially, that's a, a really great way to do it. It's just giving yeah. away everything that you know. Um,
1: You're putting a you know. smile on Darren's face because he loves his content marketing. Yeah. So um, whether it's through memes, through video, through um, <laughs> uh, educational quotes, educational tips, yeah. you know, um, yeah, and, and how Darren does it, he, he he's mixed it up. Like, like this, for example, is content yep. marketing. What we're doing, yep. we're going to educate people on on the success of what you're doing, et cetera. And, you know, and then people recognize that branding. And then Darren, you know, um, I mean, <laughs> He's done one that's just gone nuts. My phone just doesn't stop vibrating with all the notifications. (laughs) Yeah, no,
2: it's great. And you guys are a good example of that, I think, really. And there's not really enough of it in our industry, to be honest. Um, There's still too many agents trying to sell properties on Facebook and stuff. Like, it's just not the place for that stuff. Um, And it's uh, what you should be doing. Oh, Oh, it's just drives me nuts. But I think that the more of us that just realize, look, there's nothing special about knowing how much property sold for, our, there's nothing special about that. The public can get that information really yeah. easily without us. Facebook's, you know, Facebook's the place to, to make friends and help people um, and give them, give them a good time, give them a bit of fun, and also give them something that's gonna help them make money.
1: You yeah, know, and that's what your investors on. want from you. you know? Yeah, spot on, well said. So you know, you're a couple of years into the business now, you've started up from scratch, you're successfully growing it, um, but the bank rings you up Monday morning. You've just rocked up, and the first phone call is your bank manager, Nick, and they've turned around and said, if you don't get 10 business, ten listings in the next five days, we're closing your doors. What do you do? Uh,
2: yeah, it's a good one, that, isn't it? Because it tells you what you should be doing all the time. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. It's um, interesting how all of a I sudden think... you can go back to the first thing that you learned. Yeah,
2: that's right. That's right. <laughs> and it, uh, it does. It's just going back fundamentals. But I think probably, I think the first thing I'd probably do, because I'd be desperate, so I'd do a couple of things. I would, I would be launching at every owner with a vacant property like you wouldn't believe because that's the most obvious problem to solve. And I'd say to them something like, um, if I could solve this problem for you in the next three days, uh, would that interest you? Um, would it interest you if I, could, if I could solve this problem for you next three? I, I might not even know how to solve it at that point. But yep. if I could solve it in three days, would that interest you? I think that yep. bit of dialogue would get me in the door a lot
1: yeah uh, well you're not telling them saying, they've got a problem you, you, you're you not just saying hey you've stopped up by listing with them you're actually trying to resolve something for them yeah. I, I actually i yeah. like it i like uh, it i think
2: them. if i could just if, if i found them and i said look i've noticed you've got this problem it seems like a bit of a problem is it is it one am i am i are you okay at the moment are things all right um do you think if i could solve this for you and give me 72 hours to solve this problem do you think i could do it because i think i would list a lot of properties doing that okay. um the second thing i, I would do is I, I and i do i wouldn't do that just with like Gumtree tree whatever it might be here. I'd, I'd go into online forums. I'd, I'd go to social media for all the different ways of getting to owners and so like as well. Um, so I'd have an offer around that kind of mark. I'd probably also wander over to the local tribunal and just see who was representing themselves in a dispute situation. That's a new one. I think you've
0: got self-managing owners in a in a in a difficult court case um, (laughs) where they've got themselves into a tangled mess. Suddenly you appear as the superhero. I think that's hilarious.
1: Let 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 me step in, and I won't even charge you the tribunal fees. Yeah,
2: just just give me the problem. (laughs) Give me the problem. You know, because I think I think if the bank's going to shut you down anyway, you may as well just go around and solve as many problems as you can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the idea. But I, I think that was probably one of them because, as I know, just from experience and the thought our PMs are doing a lot of is, is running into people who just have no idea what they're doing. Agents included, frankly. Yeah. Uh, I don't yeah. even care if there's an agent there as well. I'll help. <laughs> it doesn't worry yeah. me. I just saw yeah. people looking at me as a, as a solution provider. You know, uh, issues like this. I think that's probably mm. a big thing. And again, it goes back to being empathetic and being generous. You know, I think that's. Well, it's to,
1: it's interesting. Your first two points is helping people. Hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. Should be what it, I, it's what's makes me wake up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, <Well laughs> it's, done. it's helping people out, and I think that's that's the, the, the big the big mindset issue, you know. Mm. Mm.
1: Well done, excellent. So, um, yeah, there, there's some uh, two good strategies there. Just to add to that, Kate, my boss used to email me the uh, the she'd screenshot the list and let me know who's going to the tribunal. Uh, in my career in real estate, I never went to the tribunal once. Um, certainly I'm happy to admit that never went once, <laughs> that's because I never managed a property once. Yeah, me too.
2: Me <laughs> too, I can tell you, I'm the same, the same boat,
0: yeah.
1: You know, uh, my yeah. name was brought up a few so am times. Am I the
0: only property
1: manager here, am I? Yeah, you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and you're certainly a different personality trait than Nick and I. I mean, yes, you didn't go to right. Chevalier College for starters, <laughs> you know?
2: <laughs>
0: okay. So yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, um, Nick with your, I mean, you know, congratulations on your growth, you know, under six years you signed up a thousand properties or to our Americans, a thousand doors. Uh, you know, that's no mean feat. I think you said that your average rent was $400 a week for our Americans. That's going to be like your $1,700 a month. That's, that's, uh, that's not um, as high as other parts of Sydney. So, um, now with, um, uh, let, let's just talk about your, your growth strategy. So for that last year, you know, when you were probably bringing in some of your best numbers, I would assume, what were your top three uh, best strategies um, that you worked um, in that, you know, that last year or so? What were the, what were your, the three strategies yeah. that got you the best yield?
2: um okay the most the one that really stands out the most because it it really stuck out like a sore thumb when it was working well was when we made uh, a lot of ground in our google reviews at the time that was what made huge ground we we, were suddenly getting phone i didn't really get a lot of direct inquiry necessarily it wasn't like the primary way we got business but it was um i think for the most part we had i mean it was early might have been early last year or something we just sort of went from Nothing much at all. And then we started getting people ringing up and saying, I noticed you because of your Google reviews. You know, and I was like, I remember racing into my director at the time and saying, this thing is, we've, it's having an impact. What we're doing here this is huge. And we had, uh, we incentivized our staff. We gave them, I don't know, 20 bucks a review or something like that to just go and make sure we we're actually getting them in the door for a while. We went from about 90 to about 140 or something um, in that time, which was, I can tell you, the next best age in our region was about 15. You know, so we we were the obvious one, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and it was it, it went through a period of time where we just got piles of business through the door because of that. And given it's so powerful, when you've got 150 testimonials as to what you do, uh, when you're importantly when you're addressing them, so when they when they actually go to Google, they leave a the review. Or actually, reply to them and say thanks for your feedback or whatever it might be, something to actually say you care that they actually did that. <laughs> I think is really important. Um, but that was really huge, so. Where you're dealing with that trust issue, um, it becomes much easier when they're already pre-sold on that aspect of what you do. They're already coming and seeing you, thinking, gee, you must be trustworthy, because I don't know if the other people saw fit um, to do that. Um, so that was a really hugely effective, high penetration sort of strategy. Um, I think the other thing, too, is I worked, and I speak to working in a larger agency environment, I suppose. So I'm sorry for those that are in smaller agencies, <laughs> but my experience is mainly with a larger agent. Um, when you have a large agency and you've got 1,500 properties or 1,300 owners, then those 1,300 people have to be the most important people in your world. Yeah, um, well so um, if they've already signed with you, they already trust you, then it's so critical that they are treated beautifully anyway. So that's your product there. That They're using it. They're hopefully enjoying it. Um, and because of that, um, that's, that's where you should be getting a huge chunk of your, your new business as well um, and resolving any attrition or anything like that. So that's a really um, huge thing. Um, but I, and I think the third thing that I remember being really good um, is when we, it's a very hard thing to explain, but when we got culturally to a point where every staff member in the office understood how to uh, be aware of an opportunity uh, when it came in the door and say, gee, that sounds interesting, I'll tell Nick about it. Um, it sounds really simple, but or sound, we incentivise our staff to, to pass on leads and things. But I remember I had a property manager who, who was in a taxi and the taxi driver said he owned the property you know, and, and this kind of stuff. Um, but the fact that she thought I'll tell Nick about it is a result of strong office culture. Well done. Yeah, yeah, so well done. To a time. So it's it's not, um, I think that the critical, critical lesson I've learned in the, the whole time I've been doing it is that you can have the greatest BDM in the world, but what you actually need is a fantastic office. Your machine has to work really, really well. Um, you can't just have one bit going well and others going poorly. It doesn't work otherwise. Culture wins um, it doesn't, doesn't work in isolation. So and I think where we were at our really, and it's and it's not we didn't run the perfect business by by any stretch. But when it was running really well and we were at our peaks and working well, um, the amount of business I would get from stuff that had nothing to do with me was was huge. And I thought that was I was so fortunate to have a great team dealing with those things. Um, not that it wasn't like a thousand managers from that, I suppose, but there was a lot of stuff coming from. Having a really strong uh, awareness culture of, of where those opportunities are, and rewarding it, you know, when it when it was in our monthly meetings and all the rest as well. So I have to say,
0: um, you're yeah. a guy of a real attention to detail, and I think yeah. the point you're making is if your team, if you believe in the strength and the service of your team, which you would. And I know that you would struggle if you knew that your team wasn't doing a good job. You personally oh, yeah. would struggle in signing up the business because you've, oh, got to, big time. you've got to have a 100% heart behind it. But yep. I think as you're saying there, your team trusts you as well. Yes. The little yep. details, if there's a snip of a, of a yep. business, they'll hand it to you knowing full well that you're going to follow it up. So there looks yep. like the synergies between the two teams, you and your property management team, would trust, which is awesome.
2: I think so. And not just making sure as a BDM, you're not setting up your property managers to fail. You know, like, you've got to, as a BDM, I think that there's a natural bit of hesitation from PMs to BDMs because they just worry that there's a guy who's incentivized to bring in all this sort of stuff. Um, but I, I really, um, I had someone say to me that I worked with for a while, um, you know, that, you know, I just mentioned to someone else, Nick, that you, I like dealing with you because I know that what I get uh, is going to come to me in the right condition, you know. And I, I think... Nice. Um, And because there's a a thin line between delivering a great service and selling a great service and over-promising, you know, going too far and making it too hard for your PMs to actually support what you've been saying. So you've really got to be on the same level. And and for that trust to exist between PMs and BDMs, you've got to pay huge respect to the people you work with and care genuinely about what they're doing and how they're doing it. And making sure that you're doing everything you can to make it really easy for them to deliver a great service. You know. Um, so, so
0: before we go on to the next question, what's just one more growth strategy that worked for you?
2: Um, so those two things were really I mean, those those few things were really good. Um, I think. Look, the, the reverse risk reversal marketing. So if I'm converting and I'm in front of somebody, one of the great conversion tools that I had for a while is we simply said, "You don't pass." unless you're happy with what's been delivered. And we had a set of guarantees, set of five guarantees associated with that. Um, and uh, I have to say for a period of time, we advertised pretty heavily as well. So people would come to me and say, well, I hear you guys don't charge unless you do X, Y, Z. Um, and I think that was going back to, to what I'd do if I was running out of business or what I'd do if I was starting an office. I think it's, it's all the same thing because if you've got a great product, you can't. there's no point in being the sixth best in your market. If, if you're gonna you're going lose marketing opportunities if you're prepared to be mediocre. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. go a stretch, go 20% further and say, you know what, I'm gonna pay you if I get this wrong. Yeah. Um, so because can we're I so, ask, and have the evidence And are you
1: marketing? If I can ask, so you, you mentioned that's what you're marketing, what platforms were you marketing? Was it newspapers, uh, was it letterbox drops, was it sales, it was, was it, it flyers? Was online,
2: it was through our existing clients, it was yep. through yep. our add another property, and you'll get this.
1: Yep, okay. Um, we yep. did
2: it uh social media as well. Um quite we're still doing it now, I think. Um, and uh, we did uh, I think we did a bunch of a whole stack of letterbox shops as well. So a bunch of demos. Which was pretty surprisingly really useful actually because the business. Yeah, uh, mate. So I'm a I think fan a, of DLS. I'm a yeah, fan. Yeah, it worked shop. really well. We did it yep. sort of through our sort of 10, 10, 20 sort of marketing. So our our just lease and things like that too. So there were there were it was a coordinated effort of, of doing okay. that. But I think well, being able to sit and say, well, I'm going to lease the property after this amount of time. You have a tenant who pays your rent because if those things don't happen, you you know I will simply pay you this amount of money. Uh, sure. and you can go in half an hour if you want to. It was a bit cleaner than that, but that was a really effective conversion tool, I think. And, and when you, But you've got to support it with evidence too. You can't just say, I'm, I'm fantastic, so I'll do it. Because people become suspicious if you do that. So you've got to say, okay, well, here's some evidence as to why. Uh, Sydney, it takes 20, 20.8 days to lease a property in on-market times, nearly three weeks. For us, it's 12.2. So, of course, we can guarantee we'll do it in a certain amount of time because we very rarely go beyond it. You know, if we're paying guarantees every week, we'd go out of business. <laughs> we're doing it because we actually solved the problem. You know, well so there's different ways of dealing with that. But that was a, I think, really, really effective way for so us to get business from here. That's moving great. on to the next
0: question, Nick, I think we're probably crossing the lines a little bit here and let's just talk about you're sitting in front of an owner and an owner says, look, why should I go with your company? What's different with you and the other agent down the road? Um, what's your, you know, your points of difference that right then and there you would say, well, we're different because what, what, what did you, what have you got that's effective and impresses respective clients?
2: Yeah. Can I just say something about points of difference that sometimes this can be construed as a bit of a magic formula to get listings. I don't like thinking about it that way. I think that if I've had success doing this, it's because I'm procedural. (laughs) Um, And I think the the reason I say that is because sometimes you don't know that a point of difference is a point of difference. So the person sitting in front of you may have seen five different agents who have neglected to say 10 really important things. If you're the agent who says all those 10 things and the eighth thing comes along, oh, we check, you know, your tenants are blacklisted. Really, do you? No one else has done that. They might do it but they might not have said it they haven't <laughs> talked
0: about it correct so everyone yeah, could be doing the same thing but one person mentions it you absolutely. get absolutely yeah
2: yeah so if i'm in front of a client for an hour an hour and a half um i used to say if i was in front of a client for an hour and a half i reckon i very rarely not get them you know that's yep. well <laughs> so just one of those things because we've built a relationship and we're talking about all the important stuff um so yes you, you need really critical points of difference and i spoke about the risk reversal marketing which is still a pretty strong point of difference in most marketplaces because most agents who compete against don't have the balls to do it frankly and they're not good enough to do it they just can't the quality isn't there for them to do it um so that's that's a really critical thing but I, i really want to point out that if i'm with a client and i'm going through the process correctly um then i'll discover a point of difference that i didn't know was a point of difference but is for them um and that's that's most often what's been successful i've found over the years if there's if I've hit upon a particular thing that's worked, it's because I've said, well, I've got these bunches of things. I'm identifying what the problem is. I'm listening really hard. I think I understand what the hot button for this client is, where the pain points are. I'm presenting as much evidence as I can to resolve those pain points. There might be five or ten different ways of doing it. And my fourth way is the one that's that's nailed it for them. So okay, i the rest of the time talking about that and knocking it over. That's good. That's so I think good. you want to be careful, be careful talking about that. No, no I no, encourage I do like every PDM to be thorough and just say, look, don't the point of difference you think is great may have nothing to do with what they think is great.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, no. it's a really good yeah. point. I was just going to say, it's a really good point, Nick. I got caught out once on, um, you know, going through the stock standard zero tolerance of arrears, and the owner actually asked me what the arrears are. I couldn't give him the answer because I was just doing the same script as everyone else. Yeah. Went back to the office, found out it was really bad, rang him up, Told him what happened. Obviously, we put systems into place. And then I ended up getting the listing. He goes, yep, come back. And he said to me, the other agent said, I could count it off the back of my hands. We have none, Um, less than 10. You know, but and he didn't believe them. He believed me because yes. I, you know. So then I started using that as a point of difference in going yeah. in, and saying, "Well, ninety-eight percent of our tenants are paying their rent on time." Yeah. Because, like, you know, and yeah. So the, it, it and, and listen to where you win business and focus on that as your point of difference.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I think, that, and just every single person that sits in front of you is going to be different uh, with what yep. they're looking for from you. They've and all got their own.
0: It all comes and, down to the problem for sure. Nick, yeah. so what? What? what so let's just stay on this. I can't move to the next question yet till we thrash this one out. So yeah, sure. how were you guys actually different from the other agents down the road? What worked for you?
2: Sure. Well, I think the leasing stuff is pretty critical. I, I threw some numbers out before. Um, that was a really critical point of difference. We leased better than everybody else did. Um, and uh, the, the average time in Sydney, for the average in Sydney now, it takes to lease a property, has gone up to about 24 and a half days. Um, and, uh, at the moment, um, I think we're sitting in something like 11 or 12 days at the moment. So we're getting about half. That means I can go to sit in front of somebody and say, I least twice as good as the rest of as the rest of the city does. <laughs> That's how good we are. And that, and if nice. convert that is some dollars that might be 900,000, 1100 bucks that is going back into your pocket. Um, because of what we're doing that others aren't doing. You know, So when they look at that and they say, well, all the money I'm, I'm saying, whatever Nick is telling me to do must be working out okay if I can pile up the evidence behind it. So that's a hugely strong point of difference there as well. And I think when you couple that with the guarantees we placed around leasing, the guarantees we placed around rent arrears, the guarantees we placed around... Some people get a bit suspicious about when you say, I'll lease a property in two weeks because I think, well, I'll just put anyone in there who stands up and breathes. And that's a fair concern. So you have to offset that with guarantees about tenant quality, which is usually about rent payment. So yep. if your rent's going to be paid, bad tenants don't pay their rent. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's one way of offsetting that concern because we weren't sacrificing quality either. The other thing I really liked is that we had a constructed, um, a, we we'd constructed a system of ascertaining quality of tenancy. So I could sit in front of them with, the, with my tablet open and say, this is how we get you to looking at any tenant, to assessing them, and determining how much risk they represent for you. We could give them a number. We could say, this tenant score is 84% on our, uh, on our assessment, which means they're a low risk tenancy. So for anything above 70 is, is very low risk because of these 16 factors we're looking at, their lifestyle, their, their income, they're these sort of things, but I show them how it works. Now, that's only gonna work for a portion of the, of the population. Only 20, 25% of people are gonna care about that. <laughs> but it's very effective for those 25% of people that love their numbers and their graphs and the detail. Um, So, and a lot of investors do, they like that stuff. You know, if you prove you're making the money, they'll be really appreciative. So we had that, it was completely exclusive to how we did it. Um, So being able to prove quality of tenancy, be able to prove lowering vacancy. Well, if you've got great tenants and you don't have vacancy, you've got money coming in every day, well then you're dealing with the capital uh, value of my property because I've got a great tenant living there at the moment. So the capital's gonna stay where it is or go up or at least represent the best in the market. And I'm also dealing with the cash flow yield, which is the other really important part of my yeah, investment. Nice. So if I can knock those two things over and I can associate them with, here's why we're so much better at everyone else than doing that part, um, it's, it's, it's hard not to get the business. If you're doing those things really well, um, it puts us that far ahead of our, of our market there as well. We've probably got 20 or 30 competitors. Um, and I should point out too that we're, we're an 8.8% agent um, in an average fee environment of about 57 so I'm selling a Rolls Royce, and I, and I didn't want to sell anything else. In fact, the other thing I'd do while starting an agency is I'd go out of my way to be the most expensive. <laughs> because I think that's, that's one way of being... Well uh, one way of actually... People talk about points of difference, uh, Darren. Being the most expensive is a really useful point of difference in itself. Yes, yeah. people look at you and say you're this much more. I wonder why is often the next question, and that's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, great.
2: great, an great, great way.
0: People believe deep down you get what you pay for. And If you are mm. you are good, you really believe you're good, then your fees will match your self worth, yeah. which is which is great. Let, let's, um, let let's move on. Um, you've answered that really thoroughly, Nick. Thank you. Now okay, you're sitting in front of an owner and despite that, he says, well, if you can match your fee with the other agent down the road, we know there's some super discounters going on in Sydney. We're even hearing agents signing up, you know, you know, doing stupid things with three and two and even 1%. I mean, they may as well do it for free, but <laughs> you'll never do that. But tell me, uh, so, you know, you, you get challenged with it. You can match your management fee with the other agent down the road who's cheaper. Um, what would you say? What's, your, what's the script that you would use?
2: Oh, uh, the, script, the script I use um, particularly, um, I think there's probably two ways to look at this. The, the first response I've got to that is uh, I'd say, look, that's a, a really great question, and I'm going to address that for you. Can I just ask you X, Y, Z? That to me is the easiest way to avoid the problem because people will very rarely cut you off at that point they'll they'll have other things i want to talk to you about now people often think okay well if i have a drama here or someone's just saying i don't care i don't care what's your fear, i don't care will you do this i don't care will you do this well that also tells you a couple of things because when people are asking this question the, what they're actually telling you is i'm not well educated about this process i actually don't know uh really what what you do and i don't really know what they do either <laughs> so the first thing it tells you is i'm dealing with a lack of education so your minds, or my mindset to me is, well, I need to position myself so I can educate better. So the way to do that is to acknowledge the question because it's an important one and mm-hmm. I value it. They're talking to me. They're taking their time to talk to me. That's important. Thank you very much for asking me. I'm going to address it for you and I will, but we'll mm-hmm. talk about this other thing as well. And the end of that conversation for me ends in an appointment. Um, so I can deal with that in person. Uh, I guess we're talking on the phone at the moment, <laughs> but uh, that's one way of dealing with that issue. Um, The other thing is if I'm getting to the end of a presentation in front of a client and I'm still getting that question, then I've missed something. Then I've got to go back and find out what the objection is because if I'm getting to the end of a presentation, I'm still dealing with the fee issue, then I haven't dealt with the need properly. Um, So there's a need I've missed because as I'm presenting to a client, I'm looking at heightened engagement, I'm asking lots of questions, I'm giving them a solution perhaps as I'm going through and getting them to confirm that, yes, would this solve your problem, do you think, Mr. Client? Yes, Nick, I think it would, that sounds great, on with the next thing. If I've, if I've got 10 or 20 of those, they're not gonna then suddenly object out of nowhere at the end, that's not how it works. Um, what I will do, is I'll run into an issue if I've missed something, if I've not sold properly at that point, gone through the process properly. So, um, that will tell me to go back again, because I'll say, well, Nick, if you'll match down the road. Well, hang on, Mr. Client. let me just look at this. I've made some notes here about what we've agreed to do. Is there something wrong with that solution I've given you? Is there something that's not, has that other agent given you that solution? Uh, Am I missing something here? And that will usually bring out any other concerns they might have. And again, we're not really talking about the fee. We're talking about the solution. If you want this solution, well, I'm offering you this one. (laughs) No one else is offering you this one. Um, The other thing is, too, if you keep butting into this fee problem, whether it's match the agent down the road or what is your fee or, uh, you know, what's the lowest you'll go, this kind of stuff. I I love immediately saying, can I just ask very quickly, are you after the agent? Charging the lowest fee. Um, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful question to ask. You're getting straight um, to the point because because it's, it, it, it's it straight. But it, it it brings out from the because when people say to you, "What's the lowest fee?" It's 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 actually a bit of a battle of ego. They're trying to trying to get a win of some kind, you know. Um, and uh, when you when you're prepared to say, "Well, actually, I, I don't really need you. You need me more than I need you," <laughs> <laughs> um, then the conversation changes. Um, and uh, when you think about yourself, you're talking about self-esteem before your feeling of self and your belief. Well, if your belief is high enough, you don't need them. They need you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and people immediately understand that. Um, the, the, the fee contests happen because a whole bunch of agents with very low self-esteem are fighting it out between each other. That's what actually happens. Um, and it's a very common problem. So when I say, can I ask if you're after the agent with the lowest fee? What you get is a response mostly, which is, oh, no, 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 because nobody wants to be a cheapskate. <laughs> I can tell you. So it's very rare. I, can, I reckon I can think of half a dozen times where someone says, yes, actually, Nick, I am after the lowest speed. And if you are, well, that's not us. No worries at all. But if you want the best advice, because if I say to you, I'm the best option for you, then I'm only giving you the best advice that's out there. Then I can't encourage you to go somewhere else because I know that the best advice is here. If you don't yeah, want that, too. that's okay. There's other ways of going about it but this is the, the best advice uh, and that's where the difference really lies um, because I don't really want their business anyway. <laughs> They're coming yeah, in with the wrong yeah. and I'm, I've come I've come to like my plan F, you know, i well down the plans. I've said, you know what, I can't help this person. Um, yeah. And we can't help everybody. That's the reality. So, um, we can't.
0: So, um, Dennis, before I hand back to you, um, Nick, you made a good point there that, you know, you need me more than I need you and it leads me to a script that. Uh, a guy called George. I wouldn't say that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> George, <laughs> George from Vegas. Uh, i met he, George. We met in George, George in Vegas uh, a few weeks ago. He took us uh, out for a tour in the suburbs and we, we spent some time training in his office. And uh, George, you know, had a script and he says, you know, well, Mr. Smith, you know, let's just look at it this way. Um, you know, if you don't sign up with me, my world doesn't change. You know, That's we still have, you know, we still are doing fine. Our business yes. is not going to change whatsoever. Everything just ticks on quite nicely if you don't sign yeah. up with us. But if, if you choose not to go with us, your world's going to change dramatically. Because yeah. if you go with a, a less quality agent, which is likely, you're going to get, you know, we may get the wrong tenant. You're going to have, you know, all sorts of problems that could cost yeah. you you know hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. And you're going to lose your peace of mind and end up coming yeah. back to you one or two years later. So yeah, I, I thought that was a really good angle um, yeah, of, uh, yeah. of his way of explaining it, yeah. knowing you know, he knows his worth, he knows how good he is compared to the other typical agents that he's got that that client could choose to go to. Yeah, yeah and no, he,
1: also think- said, he also said, and would you like me to stop answering your calls?
0: Because yeah. <laughs> that's what typically the competitors do. They don't answer your emails, they yeah. don't return your calls, that's they don't do anything. It. So if you want me to match their fee, I'm going to have to match their service levels too and it's not going to be pretty. So therefore our service levels are higher, our fees are higher. Um you just got to make a choice. So yeah. Dennis, um, Dennis over to you. Yeah,
1: so Nick, um uh, what so obviously, you know, you want, once you get systems in place, you've been a BDM for quite some time. Um, and KPIs, key performance indicators become, they can become natural to you, you know. So um, I had certain KPIs I had to meet by, for example, I had to list a minimum 15 properties a month, right? So that was one example of a KPI. Another one was, you know, I had to do um, two week follow-up calls after the lease signing. So that was part of my, you know, um, KPIs that I had to do. So uh, what, what are some examples of, you know, key performance indicators that you did to, to grow the rent role or, or to keep the systems flowing, you know, in sure. building those pipelines. And, and yeah, keeping look, the culture I, I, well. was,
2: I was fortunate um, in that where, the time that I had to focus on just being a business development manager and just thinking, signing your management and, and nurturing those relationships is all I have to worry about when I come into work every day. Which, yeah. is, which is what I would recommend for any BDM, frankly. If you're going to employ someone, that's, that's the preferred way to do it. <laughs> Give them the least number of things to worry about, and they'll do the best at it, basically. Yep. Yep.
0: Um,
2: so the four KPIs I, I think I've, I've committed to mostly, uh, really, and there were others as well, but, but I think of course these four is where it comes down to, is uh, your con- so connections made. Um, I, I wanted to get in touch with think, maybe 20 people a day. And that, that might be, it might not necessarily just be the phone, it might be other ways as well, but connections that you're making, talking about real estate, talking about investment. Um, the second thing is appointments booked, uh, certain number of appointments booked, um, the, the, your appraisals that you're actually doing, and then you imagine you're signing. So those, those four. Yeah, so yeah. if you track those four, you can get, it, it creates a process from talking to a person to signing them up. Uh, and, that's, and that's easily broken. You can break it into 50 if you wanted to. But yeah, there's yep. those four, I think, are the simplest ways to do it. Any more than three or four KPIs, I get a bit lost. <laughs> I yeah. think giving it relatively simple is a, is a pretty and, good and thing.
1: And th- those four that you're talking about, how many connections you're making to how many appointments. If you're not getting enough appointments in there, you know you need to work on what are you saying yeah. in the connections. If you're yeah. getting the appointments and you're not doing the listings, then you know you need to focus on what are you saying at the door. What are you saying yeah. to when you when you're pitching yeah. for the business because so,
2: from those KPIs yeah. you can draw conversion rates you can yeah. you know you can very you can diagnose it. It, yeah. it without measurement you can't diagnose the problems and you can't celebrate the wins either so that's right. um, you've got to understand yeah. where where you're at and I think that's those four for me have always been the easiest to worry about um, and uh, I, I think. Um, you know, looking at conversion rates maybe over three to six month periods of time and seeing how you're traveling is good because you can fall into habits of saying similar things over and over again that maybe aren't as effective as they once were. Um, Maybe you need to change up a a promotion. Maybe you need to move something around. Uh, Maybe your concerns of your market have changed. So you've got to attack it a different way. Um, It's such a quick moving... Leasing and management generally is a very quick moving part of the industry. So you, you sort of have to pay attention all
1: the time yeah the market can certainly change within a week if you've got 50 properties similar in the marketplace all available at once all of a sudden those the 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 returns are going to drop i mean look if you're not making those connections then you've got to focus on okay what am i doing we're not getting google reviews anymore okay i haven't done letterbox drops oh my goodness i haven't called my current owners i haven't done this and and it makes you really look all those
2: connections yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah and it's this now
1: Yep. So I was just going to say. So what? What's your your focus? What's your um, growth goal for the next twelve months? What, 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 where are you focused on there for the over the next twelve months? What's your your focus for growth? Well, I,
2: I suppose my focus at the moment is in a slightly different role. So, so I'm not doing traditional BDM stuff. Yep. Um Just at the moment, I'm, I'm forming different relationships for different reasons. But what I can say is that I want to take the same strategies and shift them into a different arena. So the the, the same. Uh, the same strategies I've used to, to pick up new managements. Uh, I guess I'll be using to advise principals and help them with, with other things as well. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm moving into a slightly different type of role uh, at this point within the business. Yep. Um, yep. So uh, I think from that point of view, I'll be looking to, um, I, I guess, expand the, the the knowledge base for a lot of offices about red roll growth within a particular franchise group. Um, and uh, and that's a really big thing. Um for for us generally so i think from from that point of view uh my goal will just be to make sure we're bringing in more and more people that think the way that we do about how you grow rent rolls and how you think about treating treating clients in fact treating people generally speaking in real estate (laughs) um is a is a really huge bugbear of mine at the moment particularly um i think um part of what i'm thinking about moving forward is that Shifting our focus away from, if you think about our selling part of our industry, for instance, we celebrate big commissions, we celebrate transactions, all those things which are understandable, but we should be celebrating how we're making people feel mm. and, how we're, mm. uh, and, and how we're enriching the industry and, and changing perceptions of how real estate agents are viewed in the community. Um, oh, wow. Because I, I view what I do as a noble trade, something that, that, that is offering genuine assistance to people who don't have the knowledge I do um, and uh, who can benefit from it. Um, and uh, whether that involves me picking up a listing or not, or picking up a management, um, you know, I, I trust that if I do that well enough, the business will come on the back of that. Yeah. And, um, and that's, so I think part of my goals moving forward is to, is to spread that edict a little bit as well.
0: Okay. So just before we, we finish up, just our last question now, Nick, and uh, uh, as you're aware, we run the Inspired Growth Conference uh, in July every year. Um and if you were uh you know let 's say you were speaking on stage you're speaking to principals real estate business owners you 're speaking to bdms uh, you, or the people that are responsible for growth you know and you 've got one minute to talk to them what 's your most important thing that you would say to them
2: uh worry about your product first is it worth selling um Eight out of ten agents have something that isn 't worth bringing to the market um so that 's the single most important thing make it so fantastic that the people in your business are bursting at the pause to tell people about it um because if you don't have that doesn't matter how good your bdm is or how good your just whatever else as well no one's going to want to sell it no one's going to believe it if you do um so make it great honestly that there's just no i can't get over you know all these agents who are happy just being six out of ten efforts because they're the ones that drag our industry backwards. I think six um, out of ten is good 100%. sometimes. Aren't yeah, it, it is. 100%, it's yeah. Some really I mean, bad operators
0: out, especially in the boss disturbing. who doesn't care about property management. He's yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. Well so said. I, I think pile loads and loads of value into what you're offering, um, and that can be a relatively simple thing to do a lot of the time. Um, so pile leaps of value into it, um, and remember that growth. I think really growth doesn't happen because you have a great BDM saying magic words when they're in front of people. Growth happens because you have an office and a unit and a team of people pushing in the same direction. Um, So you've got great PMs doing a great job. You've got forward-thinking systems. You've got forward-thinking leaders. um, And you've got people who are determined to deliver something which is uh, unusually good. Not just just 10% better, because you can't just be 10% better. You have to be 80%, 100% better (laughs) than everyone else to get proper penetration in your market anyway. So be committed to just being as good as you can be and getting excited to come to work and do something great. Because I think really, um, if you're doing everything you can to help every single person that walks through the front door as best as you can, you're not gonna solve every problem that's out there, but Mm. at least if you can give it some authentic um, action and be excited to help people, even when their problems sound terrible or boring or irrelevant, (laughs) uh, just help them as best that you can. Uh, That's how people will think well of you. Um, And if you do that in multitude of different ways, and and promote it within your, your people yeah that's where you'll get your growth from frankly that's where your growth will happen um the, the skills of bdm brings to the table is just one part of the package
0: well done that's great you know top very good, so very good. Great, great interview thank you so much nick you know we've always respected and and uh, seen how what a good job you do and certainly on the social media when you make comments and so forth it's uh you know your contribution <laughs> is always good so uh <laughs> and, you know, well, well done. So, um, no, yeah, thank it. you so much. And we'll wrap this up. But um, thank you again for your time. Dennis, uh, you want to go get yourself a Big Mac or a, <laughs> a McDonald's coffee now? So <laughs> you haven't got far to go. I don't know
1: if you saw, but I threw it out. It was like, ugh, you know, still better than anything in America, let me say. But, oh, good. <laughs> you know? Don't, um, don't go there, mate. You drink. Oh, so we,
0: okay, here. so everyone knows we're, at, we're landing in uh, Missouri uh, in the next 24 hours, Dennis. And um, Yeah,
1: I've already checked in for my flight. Anyway. We're
0: going from lovely temperatures uh, down to uh, no, no doubt below freezing. So we'll be all rugged up for it.
1: Mate, there'll be scarves. There'll be beanies. there will be like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to have my bandana across my face, not over my head.
0: <laughs> I hope you get a Macca's voucher
2: out of this, Dennis. All this promotion you're giving a... <laughs>
0: them. <laughs> All right, guys, let's uh, let let's uh, finish up. Thank you so much for your time and uh, take care. Good stuff.
1: Thanks, guys. Thanks,
0: guys.